How are you feeling? Have you met the others yet? Why am I here? I'm hoping we can get to the bottom of that mystery together. Let's discuss what happened yesterday. What's the first thing you remember? Fire. Welcome to Screen Run. I'm your host, The Lady One, and I'm here with... Chris Galza. Screen Run is the show where Chris and I discuss the films of a particular artist or franchise, movie by movie. And in season three, we're talking about the films of John Carpenter. In today's episode, we've reached Carpenter's most recent film, The Ward. And we are joined by a new guest to the show. It's an honor. It's a privilege. It's Paul from The Countdown. Hi, Paul. Hi, Lady One. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on. You stole the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, what (laughs) an honor and a privilege to talk on this show about one of my favorite directors, even if maybe this is not one of his best (laughs) films. But hey, you know, maybe I'm in a a lonely boat of one and you two both loved it and this is a nice way to round out the the season. (laughs) This is one of the few that I had not seen previously. In fact... They said that it like entirely, I think, escaped my radar until like 2014, 15 that it had even come out. Oh. And I still had never watched it. In fact, I've owned the Blu-ray. I think I bought it for this show like six months ago. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> it's kind of hard to track down, but you can still get it for like eight bucks, depending on if you can find it type of thing. It's not like a Ghost of Mars where you're going to yeah. drop like 30, 40 bucks if you want to get it. Yeah, but it's so it's out there, folks. So if you after this conversation, you're like, you know, I want to check that out. <laughs> you can do that. Yeah. So, Paul, I wanted to ask you. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your show about, and specifically your history with the maestro John Carpenter? Well, I'll give you the very brief countdown spiel. Myself and my best mate of <laughs> thirty plus years get together once a week and count down a topic of some description from ten to one, usually and just basically throw shade at the other person's list and try to make them seem like an idiot. (laughs) Normally, it's around movies and television, but we kind of, after 400-odd episodes, kind of reach the point of, there's not much more we can cover here that we have an interest in. (laughs) So we've expanded out to do stupid things like our top five most embarrassing stories and the 10 dumbest things that happened last year and and things like that. So we're having a bit of fun with the revamp formula while still doing film and television when we sort of lapse back. Oh, that'd be good to do this topic which comes to mind like top 10 Asian films we recently did yeah so yeah that's that but uh, more specifically John Carpenter and I go back a long ways I think Chris you and I are probably pretty similar vintage and (laughs) I my love affair if I can call it that with John Carpenter goes back to being when I was eight years old and being babysat by the next door neighbor just after about a year or so after The Thing was released to cinemas and he had hired it as the film to watch whilst babysitting and put us to bed. (laughs) And I was quite intrigued by the cover of this film and managed to talk my way into watching the first, I guess, Chris, I'm sure you'll be able to correct me here, but the first 35 minutes before the dog head goes boom and bursts open. Right. (laughs) And I have this vivid memory this day of the babysitter whose name was also Paul who said, pause, right, bedtime. (laughs) (laughs) So I was intrigued. I was like, well, I I must see the end of this film. And I bugged my parents incessantly for, I would say, probably two, three years. I think I was 10 or 11 when they finally relented and said, all right, it's your head, it's your nightmares, go for it. You want to see the rest of this film? And I did. And it, to borrow your phrase, Chris, remains my favorite horror film to this day. I've seen it nice. countless times, I, not as many as you, Chris, but enough times that I know it off by heart. <laughs> was fortunate enough to see it on the big screen a couple of years ago when it played through a sort of horror festival here, and that was a transformative mm. experience as well. And in between, mm. John Carpenter became this sort of, especially through the, the late 70s and 80s, well, the films from that era became one of my favourite filmmakers. And now if I can really bore everyone to tears, <laughs> on our show, we have a term called depalmering. And depalmering is when you are a once great filmmaker who over time have just completely <laughs> lost the capacity to make what you once did. And you just churn out, dare I say, crap. That <laughs> is straight to video, that has none of the hallmarks of what made you great as a filmmaker, but yet you keep swinging as those fastballs come down at you, keep trying to hit it out of the park and failing every time. And unfortunately... Somewhere through your run, I would say Carpenter has also departed. 
Do you have a particular point for you when it happened? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I do. I, I listened to your episode on Escape from LA, and it sounds like you're all much higher on that film than I am. I that going to see that was one of the most disappointing theater experiences of my life. I wasn't prepared for it. Mm. Back in was it '96? From very vague memory. Yep. And that's it. I was yeah. 21 years old, and I wanted to see another Escape from New York. And I know, Lady One, you liked. LA more than New York and <laughs> this is going to be the takeaway point of season three I'm sure <laughs> but I went in expecting New York and I got LA and I just walked out of there going the man's lost it he's lost it and then fast forward to Ghost of Mars where it was completely and utterly confirmed that film Ooh. oh my <laughs> yeah it's funny I I try to give him some flack flack slack for Ghost of Mars <laughs> Because of what he's, what he, what his intentions supposedly were when he was making that, right? Right. But you can have those intentions and still swing and miss, and I think that's the big problem there. Yeah. 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 Look, <sighs> and like Chris, I just I knew this film came out, but I was not moved to chase it down to watch it. And when you said, "Hey, would you like to come on?" and I was like, "Yes, absolutely, I would." Thought, well, which one could I, I could do of the the ones that were offered that were left, if I could put it that way. <laughs> Mm. should I do one which I know I hate already and be that negative voice or should I take a chance on the one that I haven't seen and hope that maybe maybe there's a little diamond in the rough there that might prove that once you've departed you can go back a bit <laughs> maybe yeah oh so before we get into the movie itself I'm gonna just ever so briefly talk about how this movie mm. came to be just there's no whole, not a whole lot to say compared to some of the other <laughs> movies we've talked about this season. So the film is written by Michael and Sean Rasmussen, who actually wrote the 2019 alligator thriller Crawl, which I'm a fan of. Oh, I like that movie. I like that one. I like that movie. So they wrote that. They actually got into screenwriting while they were like working corporate jobs and were like, hey, I think. Well, you want to tr- you want to try and do this? And they made their first film, Long Distance, in 2005. And this is only their second script that they had written. So, you know, they're still still in the game, still doing things. But according to Carpenter, he was burned out. He had fallen out of love with cinematic storytelling. And this film, the script kind of came along. What he says is that it came along at the right time. And in particular, he mentioned his interest in it filming in a single location. And I'm trying to be <laughs> optimistic about how he was like, oh, that's interesting storytelling wise. And not that seems like not a lot of work. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I, I can tell you after listening to the commentary, it's very much, I think, the latter. <laughs> and it's like a reverse Michael Caine when he just started yeah. choosing films for where they were being shot. Yeah. Because he wanted to go to nice locations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's clearly. Yeah, in a mode of, all right, what's going to cause the least effort on my part at this yeah. point? Which one is yeah. not going to get in the way of my weed smoking and gaming <laughs> and, and music writing? Yeah. Yeah, this one it films in a single location uh, in Spokane, Washington. So it seems, seems good for the weed. Um, <laughs> seems like that would work. Uh, it was filmed in a real... Um, mental hospital so that's that's interesting it was released so that's kind of all the background i have on it and we'll get into the stuff you learned from the commentary chris but it was released september 13th 2010 at the toronto film festival and eventually made its way to theaters in limited release um it reached the u.s in july 2011 Mm. where it grossed uh in its opening weekend seven thousand (laughs) seven hundred and sixty dollars The worldwide gross was $5.3 million on a budget of roughly 10. So we have some bad math again. Mm. So, (laughs) yeah, that's that's that one. So the the plot summary, just of the, you know, the log line kind of thing, not no spoilers, um, but we will get into spoilers, is Kristen ends up in a mental institution in 1966 and meets a handful of other young women patients on the ward who are being haunted and stalked by the ghost of a former patient. So our lead is Amber Heard. What Tim Robinson voice. You sure about that? You sure about that? Uh, I gotta ask. You get, um, I think you should leave over there, Paul, in uh, the world's most dangerous island. <laughs> I gotta ask. You've yeah. been doing a great job of pulling rips and putting them on your soundboard from di- the different films that you've reviewed so far. 
Mm. Chris, was there anything you could pull from this film <laughs> at all that was worthwhile? There's a part where she is talking to... Um, well, no. Okay. <laughs> One thing I thought about pulling, but when I actually reviewed it again, I'm like, I just don't know if I want to do this to her. Because Amber Heard, when she's confronting Jared Harris about what's really going on, oh. she makes some really ch- interesting choices in some of those line deliveries that I'm kind of like, ah. So all I ended up pulling basically was, I think the one tell that Carpenter really gives us in the film about mm. what's actually happening. And then I actually pulled his commentary about the shower scene because I think that's something maybe uh, that was totally gratuitous and ridiculous <laughs> to me. And, and listening to his commentary about it was, yeah, not great. Not horrible, but not great. <laughs> I need to hear the commentary on that because I came across, I was do- doing my research and uh, was listening to some YouTube reviews from this movie from when it came out. So these are like YouTube videos that are 10 plus oh, YouTube years classic, old. YouTube classic, yeah. Uh, yeah, YouTube vintage. And <laughs> I listened to one man... <laughs> say and then there's a shower scene and i don't even see one boob (laughs) what's the point how dare you this man was incensed that there was a shower scene full of attractive young women and he didn't get to see anything one star it's their backs what are you doing somebody's not a fan of side boob i guess full carpenter clearly is full back nudity you know let's not let's let's not sniff it or dismiss it like that yeah, it was a it was a strange scene in a strange movie. <laughs> Should we just talk? We just play it. You want to hear yes. it? Since we're talking about, all right, here, take a listen. I remember one of the first things I did at Duke University. Oh wait, 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 wait. Oh. Let me and- stop that. I got to set it up for you because it's weird. <laughs> so the first thing they're talking about, and I can't remember exactly how they get in. Well, all right, let me tell you for the commentary. I guess we'll just jump to this. Yeah, is that Carpenter's really all about Jared Harris? <laughs> he's very impressed with him and his acting and he talks about how great he is off and on throughout the entire commentary Aww. and there's a point where Harris starts talking about Olivier and how near the end of his career he was gripped with stage fright oh. and that he couldn't oh I remember what it was now it was because Carpenter throws some shade at one of his actors but he doesn't name them who um, was really difficult to work with and couldn't remember their lines. And they talk about the shifts to Brando near the end where he had an earpiece right in his ear and he would have the lines fed to him. And then he would just, and then I guess even Brando said that, you know, it would actually give him a more lifelike performance. Sure. (laughs) But it shifts to, do you, he asked Harris, do you know anybody ever did that? And then he brings up the Olivier story. So he'd be on stage near the end of his career and he'd be so gripped with stage fright. He couldn't remember his lines or and he would be so terrified, so he had to have he couldn't be alone on stage, so he'd have to have somebody on the side, uh, so we could see them as kind of like a safety anchor for him. So then that shifts into Jared Harris talking about uh, the first time maybe if he ever experienced that, and then this is how that goes, and then that scene hits, and the transition is very funny. I remember one of the first things I did at Duke University, and um, uh, I was in Equus playing the father in Equus. Uh-huh. And I froze on stage and I forgot my lines. And it was the second performance or something. And I hadn't experienced this before. And panic, oh, uh, came right over. It's probably not the... Here's the, uh, the shower scene. <laughs> uh, we can stop talking about acting to watch this. It's, it's a lot of fun to shoot this scene. The girls were great sports. And to let us shoot in here. Yeah, and it kind of goes on for the second or two after that but that's yeah so they were great sports and then he goes on to talk about how it was difficult putting the scene together within the editing room and then i'm like oh why because you could get the best like under boob or back boob side boob shots and but he goes no because we gotta he has to figure out where we're going to introduce the character for the first time we really see them yeah for their first interaction with amber heard and i do like you know, occasionally in the beginning of the film, the the ghostly specter of Alice kind of, he does that quick, like what, like one frame, mm-hmm. right? So you kind of yeah. kind of build up that, I guess, sus- suspense-ish type <laughs> feeling maybe? <laughs> but yeah, just so that was the gratuitous shower scene that I guess for some people wasn't gratuitous enough. <laughs> but it's clearly just there to titillate. It serves yeah. no other purpose, I think. I mean, some people say, well... 
you know, that's because when women are at their most vulnerable, right? It's in the shower. That's what the whole, one of the big keys of why the psycho shower scene is so successful. Right. But I just don't, I don't get that vibe from that scene whatsoever. I, I kind of turned off, I must admit. I was in dreamland in that particular scene. Does anything spooky happen in that scene? Or is it just, is there a, like a glimpse of the ghost in the, in the shower mist? Yeah, so yeah, all okay. the other yeah. women leave and it's just Amber Heard right, okay. and the camera kind of pans to like a, pr- a profile and then it's standing in the, right. um, in the over and then she looks over and there's nothing there and then it comes at her from the other, from side, the other side grabs her neck. There you go. Because how much attention I was paying at that point which goes to show you how disappointing <laughs> I found that scene. But You were just furious about the about lack the of full on from nudity. Yeah. You just... That's it. You went to a fugue state <laughs> and lost all... <laughs> it's also like... So... I, we can ad- address the the twist mm-hmm. of of the film. Um, we might sure. as well. You, don't want, you sure you want to spoil this for the people? <laughs> I gonna... think I think we have to. Oh. All right. The twist. Amber Heard is not real. She is one of the ghost girl Alice. One of her multiple personalities, as is every other female patient on the ward. Alice, the ghost girl, is the real girl. And she is, through therapy, killing off her other personalities. So that's that's kind of the twist there. So knowing that, and then I watched it again, I was like, so this is a shower scene of nobody. Yep. <laughs> because Alice is trying to kill off one of her personalities. So I guess reasonably only one person is in there. So like, again, it's just, it's, uh, it's weird to be like, oh, here's a shower scene of all the girls together. It's like... But they're they're not real. They're not they're not real. And the fact that all the girls are sharing one serves no purpose because it waits until it's yep. just Kristen or Kirsten. Or Kristen is in there by herself yeah. to lunge at her. So yep. yeah, therefore there is so no way of defending this as being integral to the plot. Nope, nope. They don't need to be there. And I I also don't think this is not prison. I don't I don't think that they would be. And and again, like they are not. There are not you know five girls or however many there are there's only one so it is not actually a quote-unquote group shower the way it's presented Mm -hmm. in the film which would not be happening because it is a hospital not prison (laughs) like that's not the same thing but you know i guess i can excuse that one because if there is actually only one person there well i think too one of the things i was struggling with is why is this movie in 1966 well, Amber Heard doesn't do anything to make you think it is. There is nothing about her performance that is nope. a, not a modern woman. She is behaving in every way, the way she speaks. Like, she is 100% in the 2000s. Like, Agreed. That girl well, it, is not a 60s teenager or young woman. Like, not at all. I think, yeah, it's just to serve, I think, as a framing to allow for the mistreatment of yeah. mentally ill people. Yeah. Right. To kind of bring those conceits and trappings into the film. Yeah. And I, I don't know if then they were doing mass showering at mental institutions back then in the <laughs> 60s. I don't know. I wasn't in one until the 80s through the 90s, so I couldn't say. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, the conceit of it, like you said, absolutely. It's only set in the 60s so that we can be cruel to people in institutions that's yeah that's the only reason and yet they still do ect today to this day it's just not forced upon people yeah anymore it's a it's a voluntary choice that doctors will offer to patients who have lingering particularly depressive issues so yeah yeah it's it's not it's not at all similar to sucker punch (laughs) but that is another movie that when i watched i was like this this whole setting is just so that you can be cruel to women and be like, it's okay because of this. It's just well, you ugh. just don't get sucker punch, bro. I fucking bro. hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I do. I, I understand like the idea of it, but that is not at all what is executed. It sucks. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it's another one of those things that is just like let's let's you know go back to a time when we could be worse to people yeah 100%. let's do that it's the, on, it's yeah. the only reason it's, that it's icky fashion is the only other remote giveaway and the fact yeah. they play one that song, song by the new beats and there's a black and white yeah. movie on at one mm-hmm. point i was wondering whether that was uh, anything to do with carpenter's past that black and white film but i couldn't catch what it was i know i i couldn't i i saw the name of it at one point i want to say it's like an episode from 
from a TV show uh, rather than yeah, like they, a, a film. They talk about it in the commentary, yeah. and it's it was just more to establish the re the reinforce that we were in the six gods is why they said they had it in there. Yeah, it seems like it's another missed opportunity where they could be watching one of his favorite movies, which could have been like, pops up in other works. From another world. Yeah, like exactly. why why are we not? Which my guess is because like dude was not paying attention or even there. Honestly, like if you licensing rights costs. There's got to be some like lesser known B movie that he likes that it could have been instead. True. A bunch of that stuff's in the public domain yeah. from yeah. back then too. Yeah, absolutely. If you told me though that Carpenter only directed like the cold open because that's where we've got like our wide shots, like our slow dolly down the hallway. Like I do think like the killing of Tammy looks really cool because you just see like her feet, like yeah. all of that. I was like, oh, oh, well, okay, let's see. And then like the rest of the movie is just generic <laughs> horror movie yeah like uh, uh, i don't feel him in this at all no. other than that cold open i got nothing from him which brings me to a complaint that i had very early on and just staring at the yeah. poster i'm reminded of it again john carpenter's the ward <laughs> i heard you both talk about where he wanted his name i think it was on they live right he wanted he, right. he wanted a pseudonym for the, to be so he wouldn't have John Carpenter's name attached to plastered across the top of it and across right. all the different facets of the filmmaking. And here, all he's doing is turning up and directing. He's not involved in any other aspect of production. I mean, presumably he had no. a say in some of the edit, uh, as most directors do, but right. how is this a John Carpenter vehicle? Why would he want his name plastered across the top like that? Or was this a studio decision because they thought it might put bums in seats? Yeah. I think it's obviously the latter. Yeah. And maybe even him to try and drum up some... Because if it was just literally yeah. says just the ward, it probably Nobody wouldn't would even it. had any blip at all. No. Straight to DVD, like you said. This looks like any other movie. I get like a random email from Shutter about like, oh, we've got this on a screener. And I, I've never heard of the writers. I've mm-hmm. never heard of any of the cast. Obviously, I've like heard of these people. But it could, it could be anybody. And th- it's just, it's not, it's not unique. It's so generic. And like in general, like, that's why horror is so accessible as a genre to filmmakers who are not established is because you can do you can do horror on low budget. You can't do a historical epic. You can't mm-hmm. do an action film. You can't do like a biopic. You can't do all these things on a low on low budget the way you can do horror still effectively. But this still costs ten million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a low budget movie that like John Carpenter is like off the grid, just like, you know, going gonzo, making independent film. Like this is a uh, pretty standard like studio like yeah it's it's nothing special at all and and to that end in my opinion it's not that bad it's just mediocre yeah i would agree i was expect maybe it's because i went into this fully expecting to hate it that i've avoided it for 13 years (laughs) i was it was up until you know being honored to be able to come on and and do a john carpenter (laughs) film with you guys checks in the mail That's all right. Fine, I'll I'll end. I've seen every film he's made now, so I'll yeah. I'll close that that hole in my yeah. filmography from Carpenter. But yeah. I know it's going to be trash. Everyone who's ever seen it, who I know has seen it, said it's trash. So yeah, here we go. This is going to be trash. And maybe for that reason, and clearly at least in one scene, I wasn't paying enough attention. But the <laughs> the twist, I, I won't say I saw it coming. I knew that things weren't adding up, and and I have a bit mm-hmm. of background in mental health. That's my job. So I'm just going, this is bullshit. I don't care if it's 1966. <laughs> and that's bullshit. And why is no one reacting when she says, where is everyone disappearing to? And how does a ghost wheel someone strapped into a chair down a corridor in a busy hospital and no one notices? <laughs> and why is yeah. there only six young women, all who are attractive in this hospital? None mm-hmm. of this gels together. The doctor's reactions don't yeah. gel together. It doesn't work. This is stupid. And the twist comes and I go, damn it, should have seen it. I am dumb. Okay, at least it explains all of that stuff. But is it enough? No. Right? I mean, that's part of the issue. Does no. he mask it too much or not? Like, So here's the other clip I pulled, right? I think this yeah. is the one, I think, really graphic tell. And even then, it doesn't really hit until after you've watched Tell me who Alice is. Alice Hudson was here. She was one of us, but she's gone now. Right, so she's one of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. But she's gone now. 
right? And it, but I don't. I, that's the, where I struggle with it. Is I think one, you're entirely right. I think it's the beginning of it is very Carpenter esque, but the, then it just becomes this generic kind of horror. And it's again, it's not a bad movie. I don't think it's bad. It's just it's mediocre. just yep. Yeah, it's just kind of generic, mediocre. And then the problem is too. You know, Black Swan came out the same year. Wow. Wow. Okay. Which another person oh, dealing with like you know and and and. And even then, I'd probably go back to what is it that is it the '90s film Identity? Identity, exactly. Isaac? That's the one Audrey wanted. Good. That movie. Oh, rocks. three maybe I think that is. Yeah. Yeah, that one's good, it's right? So, good. so you have far superior examples of kind of dealing with this type yep. of thing, unfortunately. Yeah. But it's just just kind of like you said, it's generic kind of horror film that at the end, instead of the end, you're not you're not going, oh my god, you're going, oh yeah, yeah okay, that, like oh, all probably right. Probably should have seen that coming, but okay, yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's also like it's a less cool twist because it it they are in a mental institution. Like the twist mm-hmm. in Identity, not. spoilers for Identity, <laughs> you don't see coming at all because they're in like a random place. Like why would this be? Like they're in this motel. Like, there's no setup for no. any of these people are mentally ill. The tell for that like, film is is they keep flashing back to this strange character yes, and the weird, what, what's like, this going weird. on? How is this going to link in? And yeah, exactly. I, when it, when it happened, like I was like, Re- oh really? And I also didn't love the actual reveal of it because to show all of the notes first and to then have him say it, I was like, I literally, I just saw it on the page. Mm-hmm. I just saw personality one through four. Like I, like I it, it was a weird choice. He says in the commentary about that too, and not specifically that, but he's like, uh, you know, you hate having to shoot written notes. You hate written pages. You don't want to, you don't want to do that if you, you don't have to, <laughs> Well, but, you know, we, but we had to type of a thing. If you're going to use that, you should be, intercutting that while he's giving the explanation you should not have her look at the notes first and then be like finally tell me what's going on it's like i just saw it in the notes another thing too yeah i don't get the scene when they're having the group session (laughs) oh my god that is so bad (laughs) so and and during the commentary harris says at one point he they talked to him and carpenter talked about him just looking at one point the entire time instead of moving looking around it should be and but he said ah, and in the end he said we started not to do that. We didn't think because we didn't think it worked. And I'm yeah. like, I it's, mean, maybe you could have changed. I don't know, maybe shot another way, just shoot at a different angle. But he's looking at the same point. I don't know. Yeah. But I think then it's, he's focused now at that point too much on trying to deceive us instead yeah. of trying to hide the ball, which I think are kind of two different yeah, things. Yeah. Yep. yeah, that's something that also bothers me about like the village is like. This isn't like I didn't realize what was going on. There's a gravestone of someone at one point in that movie that says it's like the 17 or the 1800s. Like, you're lying to me. Mm. It's not that I didn't see what was actually going on. You're misrepresenting things. I didn't love that. I will say when I went back to watch and to see how many things don't work, other than me not understanding how she's holding one of the other girls hostage. (laughs) Like, with it. They showed that, didn't they? With it, she had yeah, like, I guess, oh, yeah. like, realistically, she's just like, I'll do it to myself, uh, I guess. But, like, yeah. it doesn't fall apart as much as you'd think it could. But it did make me think of um, adaptation. Like, I was just immediately thrown to the <laughs> scene of, like, Charlie and Donald talking about, like, and then the reveal is, like, the serial killer, the cops, the same person. And Charlie's like, yeah, but how did they, how did they have, like, how did they be in two different places? Has, that doesn't work, Donald. And Donald's like, yeah, man, but it totally does. And he's like, Donald, it doesn't work. Like, that's what I was thinking about watching this movie was like, ugh, ugh, it's just so basic. There are some things that don't hold up for me. One, we get to see, if you like, Alice, yeah. sorry, Tammy being killed off before Kristen's brought in, which you could explain by saying, well, Alice is in there and she creates the protective uh, personality and the like, but still it's an odd way of showing her outside of the hospital, which makes almost zero sense in terms of someone's... Yeah. You know, yeah. Anyway. But then that group scene you're talking about, they are scattered around the room. Yeah. And there's nothing mm-hmm. approximating a circle going on. One's way at the back and one's sitting right dead mm-hmm. center. I'm like, there's not a therapist in the world that would allow <laughs> a group session to take place <laughs> like that. You're literally putting someone in the center and saying, you are the important person. Everyone else doesn't matter. And you in the back corner there, you can just... And that, yeah, that person will be there. And theoretically, there is a flashpoint when, not theoretically, this actually happens, I should say, when the reveal happens and we see her in a very populated ward with lots of other people around. Mm-hmm. 
So the whole rest of the time, what her her psychosis is so impressive, she blocks out the existence of everyone else around her. That's not the way it works. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. No. Because so the whole time we go, this is a lot of resources and a lot of people for what's only half a dozen people in this ward. Turns out, according to the film, it's, it's one person. One person. With yeah. then one flashing shot of there being 10 or 15 or 20 other people in the ward, but they're nowhere to be seen the rest of the movie and that just didn't make any sense to me. No. No. There's nothing more frustrating than watching a movie when you have experience in what the movie <laughs> is like portraying. Like, you know what that yeah, world really wrong. is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think we've all had it in whatever job that we do. And of course, <laughs> it never gets it right. But that to me is not so much, a, I mean, the group therapy thing, sure. But the fact that in this film, there are other patients in this ward, at least according to one shot. What, just one time? Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. they're not there. And really, this whole thing was set up to cure one person, which is absolute bullshit. Yeah, just one person in this whole... And I don't, I don't know how she got out to burn the house down. That's never mm-hmm. addressed because she got out. They didn't find her. She was in there. Yeah. They, they never addressed that. That scene where he's hypnotizing the one and then the guy goes into the office and he's like, she's not where in is here. She? Goes, where is she going? Find her. <laughs> how the... What, what, what is that? Why is Jared Harris in on the... The delusion, I don't know if that's the right word, but like him being like, oh, we'll go find her. It's like, well, you were in there with her. So presumably you that- You let her leave. That was Alice. Presumably, right. In that scene. And right. yeah, so what, she just walked out past you? How, you didn't see this? Again, it doesn't wonderful make sense. doctoring. Yeah. It, and he just looks at the orderly like, we'll find her. Like it's his fault. Like it's the orderly's fault. I'm like, and like, and watching it, I was like, do you want me to su- suspect Jared Harris? Like, mm-hmm. what? Is what I don't uh, I don't know I I want to say like when I saw his name in the credits I was like Jared Harris I want to say I expect like more from him but he was in Morbius so like, <laughs> point, like <laughs> sorry bro <laughs> they say in the commentary I guess too that he's I don't know if maybe this explains the focus treatment on just the one patient that he's doing an experimental yeah. type of therapy he's doing things against the norm that's why he's focused just on the one yeah maybe? it's Still seems a little like the nurse doesn't agree with what he's doing. Yeah, nurse, mean, nurse Ratchet. <laughs> yeah, they even call her that in the. They in do because I did. Nurse God, Ratchet character. She's terrible. She's a terrible actor, and she's the character's terrible. In this movie, it's just an awful, yeah. awful cliche. And the even the orderly, like I couldn't figure him out because at yes. one point in that scene where he's like, "I would never date you," which also felt like weird language to use, like. Mm-hmm. But also, no, you shouldn't have a relationship with this patient. But then at the end, when she's back to being Alice, and he's like, I thought you'd want some of your things. He's so nice to her. Yeah. But, like, is he mean to her other personalities? And he's nice. To- what is wrong with this man? And at like, one point, he says, I'm- like, yeah, sleep tight, baby, or something like that. Which before yeah. she. Yeah, because he's supposed to be a sex past yeah. at all. Is it- that's, yeah, again, like, that's what I was. I was waiting yeah. for the sucker punch moment where this guy is like right. the bad orderly and he takes advantage of all these women. Like I was waiting for that. And instead he's like just mean. And then he's so nice yeah. when she is Alice again. And I don't, is it her? Is she imagining eternal interpretation? Is, is it, yeah. yeah. Is he not actually kind of a dick? Like what's going on? I, I don't know. No, no real choices. Just a lot of like, eh. Just nonsense. Throw it, throw it at the wall. Let's not worry about that. No one's going to think too hard yeah. about this movie. Certainly no one's going to do a whole podcast episode about it. We don't need to worry <laughs> about such things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, nobody's going to ask why Mamie Gummer's character has a clown smile painted on her face in group therapy. <laughs> we just never address it. We never talk. <laughs> it just is happening. And, and then it's bright red and then it's faded like like it's been wiped off half halfway yeah. as well, and we just never like talk a about second it. Later. <laughs> like she had second thoughts, but she wiped it herself. But then it would smear yeah. across her face, presumably. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, there's a lot of weird choices in this movie, and it, and no, I don't want to. I don't want to give my score away for one of the uh, important parts, <laughs> but it just screams a director who just is like, eh, whatever, just go with yeah. it. Okay, the scene where Kristen finds out what happens to Alice. And they, they like, presumably, if we are to believe, like, what we're seeing from Kristen, like, and Kristen believes herself to be a person at this point, what she hears is that all the other patients on the ward with her murdered a girl one night. 
and that ghost has come back for revenge. And her response is, yeah, but why oh, would she be after me? Yeah, I wasn't here. That's it. Not, <laughs> wait, I'm on a ward full of fucking murderers? <laughs> like, she has no concern that they killed someone. No fear about her own well-being. Like, she's still worried about this ghost when she has been told that they are killers. What? It's a very the good fuck? point. Why is her response like that? Yeah, but why would she be after me? Is like, wow, narcissist. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, and that's not even the personality trait that her character's supposed to have, right? She's just the protector one. That might just be a little bit of Amber Heard bleeding through. So, you know, she might be bringing that that to uh, the role. But, oh, yeah, I just, so many things didn't make sense to me. And that, that I when I watched it the first time around, not knowing the twist, I was like, she should be horrified that they like ganged up and killed this girl who was a problem in the ward. Oh, but she was really mean. She did things to them. She hurt them. Fair <laughs> enough, killer. Yeah. Yep. She was mean. Like, oh, all right. Well, then. Well, if yeah. she was mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Report it? Nah. Did they just write all the different personalities' names on chalkboards on different rooms in this ward and there's only one person in there? Like... Did she have multiple rooms that she could stay in based on who she was identifying as? That's a good point. So why would we wipe Tammy's name off? How do they know Tammy was dead? So the doctor says, oh, Tammy's been killed off. She's, she's, um, what's the (laughs) word where we bring them all together? I should know this word. I'm sorry. I apologize. Tammy's (laughs) been integrated. So she's gone now. You can wipe her name off. But we've got a new one, Kristen the Protector. So she can, she can sleep in that room. (laughs) Yeah. Like you said, doesn't, Chris, doesn't controversial sense. therapy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, bizarre. Oh, yeah. Very bizarre choices in this film. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds like you you both liked Crawl. I I sat yeah. there. I sat there with Crawl, just picking that to pieces as well. It's like, all right, so oh, yeah. you're in a basement and there's flooding everywhere, but not in the basement, which is below ground. That makes sense. And <laughs> so I don't know if these writers, the whole logical connecting of everything together, is their strong point. Oh, I mean, they get all of a pass from me when they refer to my university in the film. Uh, like, I'm immediately like, oh, okay, I'm on board. Go Gators, thanks. <laughs> like, I'm all, that is all it takes for me to ignore everything wrong with a movie. Because if you ask me, there's absolutely nothing wrong with Devil's Advocate. There's not a plot hole. There's not, not any um, over-the-top performances. Absolutely nothing is wrong with it. Because, <laughs> like, Keanu Reeves' character is from... Gainesville and has the most ridiculous accent ever, but University of Florida, so it's fine. I just like Alexander Aja's films generally too. I mean, have you ever seen High Tension? Yeah. You want to talk about a film that if you think about it, that doesn't really apart. make any yes. sense. But <laughs> I still love that movie. I so I just choose not to think about it. I, I, I but I have a yeah. weird affection for that French New Wave horror stuff. So films don't have to be perfect. You can be aware of plot holes. You can be aware of like, oh, like, eh, that wasn't great. But there has to be something else there to win you over. Mm. And there ain't a thing here to win you over. It is just yeah. average AF. <laughs> we talk about this a lot yeah. on our show that it's yeah. like the, the filmmakers oh. make a, a deal with you. And if the deal's strong enough, i.e. if the product is good enough, the film is good enough, you'll forgive little things. Can't remember which yeah. of your guests said the same thing about one of the films that you uh that you watched. Nope, can't remember, but basically said the same thing. That if a film is good enough, <laughs> yeah. you just let the little things go by because who cares? Who cares if yeah. that little thing doesn't work it's out? A it's a movie. It's a plot yeah. hole. It's a oh yeah, there's yeah. a continuity error there, or there's an editing error there. It doesn't matter because the rest of the film is so damn good. But then yeah. when films aren't good, you end up really focusing on the things that don't work, and you start picking them apart yeah. and following mm-hmm. that thread and teasing it to pieces really and as a result a film ends up going from being eh to being really poor yeah there's nothing worse than a mediocre movie in my opinion they're they're harder to talk about than really shit films yeah Yeah, when i was down my vintage youtube rabbit hole i struggled to find a review of this film that was more than like eight minutes long we've done pretty well on that basis alone (laughs) (laughs) well you have to divide it by three though right even now we're doing pretty good still there yeah can I ask one last other question? So, yeah, Kristen, when the police find her at the start of the movie, is on her knees, mm-hmm. you know, in highly emotional, in front of a burning down house. There's not right. one moment of question in the police officers' minds as they grab her and start wrestling her towards a car. Look what you've done here! She could have got out of yeah. that fire. How do they know yeah. what she did? 
How did they know she said yeah. it? How did they throw her in the back of the paddy wagon and or the, the car and off they go? They're they're heading off to, yeah. to this hospital. I was like, wow. 1966 really was a different place in the States, wasn't it? It's also like rural Oregon. I just chalked that up to that they knew who they were looking for her and they knew who she was because so she escaped. that's something that I wanted, yeah. I went back to. And, and was, they knew the, the house. They knew the point of why. Yeah. Because where everything that happened to her happened to her at that house. Oh, by the way, did you know who played Little Alice? Yes, Sydney Sweeney. Current oh, it wow. girl, Sydney Sweeney. No, yeah, she's l- little girl, uh, no lines, Alice. Yeah. In the visions where That's she's... Sydney Sweeney. So is that what you're talking about? The, the girl who's chained in up? In the flashbacks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. chained up yeah. in the cellar, yeah. I saw that in the credits. I was like, what? What? Nice pickup. No, going back to it, walk, again, watching it over, I was waiting to hear, like, faintly on like the police radio like escaped mental institution patient and like Mm. that would be like a little because you wouldn't be listening for it then yet you know right like that could you could sneak that in really low in the audio Mm. and like get away with it and then that would be like oh they told you from the first scene that would be like one of those like clever gotcha moments but no no (laughs) they didn't do anything that clever no sadly i gotta know chris did this one yeah hurt the way some of the other films have from John Carpenter is this is this him flaming out in a spectacular way and that's why 13 years later we've just had music from the man and and really nothing more obviously he's gotten paychecks galore from the Halloween remakes <laughs> or sorry reboots yeah. my apology <laughs> or is this one ah you know what this is a a solid attempt to get better and maybe had he refound the passion and maybe if it made 40 million instead of five he'd be making films again <laughs> i'm weirdly and what is what's ap- apathetic about this film there's no real life to it like and i think like jason said when we had him on for vampires mm-hmm. that was his comeback right that would have been, been it. it and this one and unlike ghost of mars which is i get what he's going for it just doesn't work mm-hmm. this is just weirdly almost kind of inert it's it's just this generic as Juan said kind of horror film whodunit type thing that has almost none of his fingerprints on it it's like I almost dismiss it Mm -hmm. like it's not even part of his over it doesn't impact me at all it's kind of it's like a footnote in his career yeah I think the strength of his 70s and 80s stuff is so strong that it's I would say more like Ghosts of Mars and Vampires hurt his legacy more than this because this is just almost like a non-entity of a True. film. I don't know if it makes sense. Oh, it's it does. Not positive or negative. It's just there. Most people who like Carpenter have seen Vampires, have seen Ghosts of Mars, and that's where they threw their hands in the air. Much as I heard you do <laughs> <laughs> over that time. Although it probably happened earlier than that, if I'm if I'm fair. But this film, yeah, there's lots of Carpenter fans who haven't seen it. Just eh. You know, like you say, they just dismiss yeah. it. Doesn't really count. Yeah, it's a straight to yeah. video, basically generic horror thriller, which no one is going to remember, and it's hard to find YouTube reviews of. So, yeah, yeah, it's just innocuous for the most part. Yeah, it's just exists. Yeah, there's nothing to it. I have exhausted my notes on this film. I have nothing more to say about the actual movie itself. Is there anything else like you guys want to get into before we hit through our categories? I have nothing really to add for the score corner thing here. Yeah. I think it's it's, it's yeah, not it's, him. It's not him, and it's just some cliche as fuck horror. Like, oh, I think a this weird voice. We'll get into the the <laughs> uh, the F scale, but Harris says some. Oh, you didn't do the score for this. You thought you do the scores for your films, and he goes, "Yeah, you know what? It's just it's too much work. <laughs> I'm too old, and I can't handle it." That's Bro. what he says. Bro, like you're at work. You can't. That's the stuff you don't say at work. Pretend, <laughs> yeah. John. Show half a. But that's it. Half that's, a fuck. And I think, and that's what I think. What the issue? One of the big issues with the film is too. He's yeah. just at this point. He's like scripts seem interesting to him. Maybe he's at a point where you know what? I'm really eyeing that house in the Bahamas. <laughs> you know, something like that. So he 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 does it, but he doesn't have the full care and attention and he's at this point in his life and you know what good for him right <laughs> he's delivered some yes. all-time classic yes. films and if he is if he if something's just too much for him at this point and he doesn't want to bother then that's fine i'm not going to begrudge him i guess you know he's given me enough entertainment over the year 
that year. So I'm not going to give him a hard time about that. And I think the other thing to add is I enjoyed the title sequence of the shattering glass Mm -hmm. intercut with photos, some of them real Mm -hmm. and some of them staged of different forms of mental care, if not torture, torture yeah. over the years, right? And as the glass kind of shatters and the pictures separate. I thought that was, it was interesting. fine. It was interesting. And you might argue there's a very subtle tell about what's actually happening in this film too. You know, sure. Fractured, yeah. exactly. breaking up psyche, and, and there's a representation yeah. of it. But the moment I heard that coral, you know, high-pitched girl, women... <laughs> I'm like, well, Carpenter didn't do this score, that's for sure. And then, yeah, lo and behold, a couple of credits later, it confirmed that. Yeah. Nothing exciting for the score. Uh, No no returning players. Nobody nobody back who we've seen in some of his other films. That's kind of amazing, isn't it, really? But I guess it's been that long. Was it nine years, eight years, whatever, between drinks? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is it it was so long. Other than like Pam Greer was in uh, Ghost of Mars, having been in Escape from LA, like we're, we're like, and um, Peter Jason was back, but he wasn't. wasn't in this. There's there's nobody else. There's nobody in this film. No returning players. I have not a soul. Is what you know, what I wrote down specifically. Even yeah. Sandy King's not. She's not producing it. She's not involved in the production in any capacity as well. Yeah, which is weird because you'd think you'd want like that extra cash so she could yeah. get paid too. <laughs> like. <laughs> like bring some money into the household it makes me think that there was something that was already kind of ready to go and somebody yeah. came to him to Just do like it much more work in. for hire type yes 100 yeah. percent. Yeah. yeah presumably yeah. The, the weed budget needs to extend to two people so yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a bummer on uh on the cast note i guess it's time for Choosing our favorite performance Jeez. in the film. Um, so, Chris, would you like to go first with who gives your favorite performance? So, in a weird way, I, I, I disagree with Paul, but for the exact reason why he hated it. Is, <laughs> now, I don't think this is my ultimate choice, but uh, Susanna Burney as Nurse Loon <laughs> is so cartoonish and over the top. All right, she's the only one I think who kind of adds any real camp or enjoyment or entertainment for the film with her little side eyes and her dramatic looks over and stuff. (laughs) Whenever she was on screen, I was always interested to see what she was going to do next because she's the only one that seemed to kind of really like, I'm going to have fun with this. Let's go crazy. Yeah, she was out there. So it would be her, but I think in the end, I, I it's probably the only real heavy hitter there outside of her, and maybe what Danielle Panabaker's done a bunch of stuff. Yeah, uh, is I guess Jared Harris. I guess who I forgot. I always forget this is the son of Richard Harris. Yeah, and there's a really funny thing part two where he talks about in the commentary how he has a real disdain for people of like stature and wealth who come from. Yeah, <laughs> do you, Jared? Do you? Oh, you know, but uh, maybe Richard Harris raised them very simple. I don't know, but uh, still, so I guess it's I guess it's Jared. But if I had to choose somebody else, I would I would go with uh, Bernie. So I just had fun with her. Fair yeah. enough. In a room kind of way, you know, <laughs> Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> oh hi, Mark. Kind of way. On the Jared Harris note, I have heard that as well. Like him say, like, "Ugh, I just don't like that." Like people like that, and that was something that he brought to his role on Mad Men. If you've watched it, it's like my favorite show of all time. And he plays Lane Price, who's like a very buttoned up, like proper, like eaten man. Who he comes, talks about yeah his madman character when he's talking about that. Yeah, like he just he does not like that, and like his stepfather was Rex Harrison, and he's just like, ugh, like just people like that. And I'm like. Okay. <laughs> you mean like all of the people in your life? Yeah. <laughs> all industry? <laughs> like, Listen, I love, yeah, yeah, I love class traders. That's why I like FDR, people like him. So if that's who he is then yeah. in real life, then that's fine with me. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Paul, who who gives your favorite oh, performance? God, really stretching here. I'll tell you who it's not. It's not Amber Heard. <laughs> <laughs> what if we go about that way? I just basically... Pass people out until I get to the who's left. No, look, probably, yeah. probably. I, it's a really not exceptionally deep role, but I guess who played Emily? That actor, I should know. Uh, Emily Mamie. is Mamie Mamie Gummer, uh, Meryl Streep's daughter. Is that right? Is she? Yeah, oh. yeah. Good on her for not taking the family name and and trying to create it. And instead, having a 
weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Look, that's Meryl Streep. She was kid. crazy enough, and the red lipstick that you pointed out earlier is one of those moments, and and she's probably the only one who's not an oil painting out of that whole cast. They're all exceptionally attractive, and she's a bit more realistic and down to earth. And I appreciated that yeah. that you know she'll put herself in that. I'm really stretching here. The performances are garbage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then I have a lot to work with. She, she was, she was definitely going for. I'm the crazy mental yeah. patient girl. Like that's she leaned in. So you know, you think too. Like, yeah, Panda Baker is supposed to be the seductress, she but she still comes off as too wholesome. Yeah, yeah. she's too wholesome till the yeah. very end when she gets bitchy. Yeah, well, yeah. There's that, but even when she tries to seduce our possible sex pest orderly guy, <laughs> yeah. even then. It's still very like, hey, you want to go down to do a bobby sock dance or yeah, something? She's it's, like, it's, yeah, we could go on a date. Like, she's not yeah. like, I'll take you down to the other end of the ward. Like, it could be, have been pushed way further. Yeah, I yeah d- what's that phrase you're always using, Juan? Like, let's go down to Pound Town. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I say all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I those those other other personalities, other patients, they were not not doing a whole lot. No. No. Um, what about you then, Juan? What do you what have you got? So, <laughs> given that I was like, all of these patients are terrible, <laughs> and I was like, Jared Harris, come on, sir, <laughs> I've picked Jillian Kramer, who plays Ghost Alice. <laughs> Ghost Alice is <laughs> <laughs> like she's Ghost Alice. That's my choice because she's like all the time. <laughs> like she's she's always on. She's putting it in. <laughs> yeah, Ghost Alice is giving it a hundred percent. So <laughs> that's my choice. Fair enough. <laughs> She has no lines. <laughs> She's just, it's again, same like Ghost, Ghost of Mars. We have just our our head spirit thing who is just no lines, just being weird. And uh, yeah, Jillian Kramer. <laughs> Tells you everything you need to know about John Carpenter's The Ward right there. Yeah. 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 Um, so rating wise. So this this season, we're rating all the films on a synth scale. This is uh, one to five letterbox style. So you can do halves, but nothing smaller than that for fractions. Chris, what do you rate the ward? So I got to look at the old ones here. Yeah. <laughs> you got to like, within the context. Okay, we'll do it this way. As a John Carpenter <laughs> film, yeah. I'm going to go 1.5 because it doesn't feel like a Carpenter film outside of, like you said, that first basically a five to eight minutes. Yeah. After that, it just slips into generic kind of thriller horror work. So. Mm-hmm. I guess it'll be my... And again, I don't hate it as a product. Oh. It's perfectly innocuous. Yeah, It's just not a carpenter. Yep. Paul, what do you got? Look, I started this conversation thinking I was at a <laughs> 2.5, but the more we've talked about it, <laughs> I'm, I'm dropping my score to a 2. A 2 synthes okay. for John Carpenter's mm-hmm. The Ward. I also started, started thinking 2.5. I'm going to leave it as a 2.5 for myself because I find this to be just as fine as ghosts of mars and that's what i gave that one like it's again they're they're not bad but it's not a carpenter film if if you're putting this on the carpenter scale just his movies it's it's way worse but i'm trying to be like letterbox style like as a film and so it's a two and a half but this is what leads us into the next part of it is this is where we can really um yeah how how many fucks did John Carpenter give about making this movie? <laughs> and this is this is where the score like is really indicative of of the film. Chris, you want to start us off? Yeah, I I think I'll go with two. I, Generous. I mean, I think he's <laughs> yeah dedicated to make sure it gets made, it gets delivered under budget and on time. Yeah. Right, but that's it. I think that's. The maximum effort that he's putting in this <laughs> thing is, and he's also, you know, I, he says like, I'm just getting too old for this now. So too old for this shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, he was at the time like roughly American retirement age, but still, buddy. Yeah. Um, Paul, what do you got? He gave one fuck, and the only fuck he gave <laughs> was to get six attractive young women standing, pointing away from a camera, and shooting them. In that one scene. So, as far as I'm concerned, one. One whole F for John Carpenter's <laughs> The Ward. Yeah. I think he gave no fucks at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going okay. with a straight zero. zero. 
If you told me he was never even there, I would believe it. That's fair. <laughs> so the average of like, the average of what fuck. one fuck between the three of us is is our score. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like you said, Chris, no, he he correct. was clearly just tapped on the shoulder. Look, do you want to have a bash at directing this and earn a bit of money? It's already written. You know, we've got the talent in place. There's this young girl, Amber. Jared Harris. Ooh, Jared Harris is going to be. In. All right, maybe I will do this. Right. Yeah, will he will he yeah. do the commentary with me later? Because otherwise, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Do we get to hang out at yeah. one point too? Cool. Cool. I'm in. Ugh. To another piece of physical media I own that I will never watch again. <laughs> I love the dedication you both have to this show because you first of all, you, you end up with a shout, a Screen Factory or some red <laughs> DVD, Blu-ray, of course, or a 4K, and then you watch it once and then you watch it again. And then in your case, like Chris, you listen to the commentary on top of that. There's no way I could have oh, watched yeah. this movie again. Just none at all. <laughs> yeah chris is way more invested as far as like the commentaries and the physical media he he does he's going miles above what i'm doing i'm just like firing this baby up on youtube again on a sunday afternoon because i was like i guess <laughs> i guess i should like really look <laughs> so and i that is how i watched it on youtube because it was i looked for it on streaming and it was not available well, anyway okay yeah. yeah yeah not no not even for rent there was nowhere so but luckily it was on youtube how much is the blu-ray so. worth chris oh god i think i said i didn't get it for like 10 bucks <laughs> at the most i think it's fine i can't imagine what your quality was your image quality was on that uh, your tube rip it was fine not too bad truly no, i'm good it was fine oh, was it a re- was it a rental through youtube or someone put the whole film up there oh no the whole the whole movie is just on youtube full free Once again showing the number of f's that john carpenter and the studio gives about this yeah. movie no one's bothered yeah. to take it down yeah it's just the whole thing like you know the the studio cards and everything to start it up all right well that was the ward Oh boy, that was john carpenter's <laughs> the ward john, john carpenter's the ward which oh and that youtube rip that i watched it was i guess from like a german there were there were no subtitles on it there was nothing to make me think it was german other than like the youtube description of it and then as john carpenter's the ward came up on the screen below it was like the german subtitle for it and i was like what's die station <laughs> i may also have seen that same copy <laughs> Yeah, because I was like, what's Dot Station? I don't understand. And then after five minutes, I was like, that was a German subtitle. Okay. <laughs> there's also a um, there's also something uh, I live by when it comes to these straight-to-video films. And when it takes 60 seconds to get through all the production company logos at the start of a film, oh, yes. you know you're yeah. in for a rough ride. <laughs> it's very rare you have that many cooks in the kitchen and it turns out yeah. to be something decent or, or good. Yeah. That's true. That's a good. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of um, money laundering allegedly. Who knows? <laughs> Hypothetically, <laughs> that's what I feel like. Whenever you've got more than like four movie studios and like ten executive producers, I'm like, people are just cleaning money here. Sure. Like, <laughs> I mean, listen to this cashing in. Legendary John, legendary director John Carpenter, the mastermind behind Halloween, The Thing, and Escape from New York, is back. In the suspenseful psychological shocker. It's on the back of the book. <laughs> I could quibble with some of that. <laughs> John Carpenter's back. Oh. He was a master. They got that part right. Yeah. That's true. He did direct those other movies. Mm. He did. <laughs> I feel like if we had watched this in real time and given us a glowing review, we could have got some cover quotes on this. Honestly. Because yeah. we have Tom Hannigan of Movies Online. Carpenter proves he still has the master of shock. We could have done that. That's that's the best they could pull. Three, <laughs> that's what they three got. stars. That's the best pull quote they got. <laughs> well, we got through it. We did it together. Well, thank you, Paul, for watching this. Oh, thank you for the... <laughs> I feel like a kind of a group session for me as well. <laughs> the kind of... I feel good. This is... I hope. I feel like I've got some things off my chest. I'm really glad that you're having the wrap-up episode to sort of remind yourself what was so great about Carpenter. <laughs> so I don't know how you're going to do it, yes. whether you're going to start at the bottom rankings and work your way up, but I really feel you should end on talking about the thing again just because I worry that Chris won't be back for season four. I've listened to him no. die a slow death. <laughs> especially when... I think you can hear it in my voice. <laughs> yeah, the last few episodes. I'm not as... Yeah. And Lady Wyoming Line's like, we- it's cool, it's great from New... From LA, it's great. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> it was so fun. <laughs> yeah. 
that is the difference between watching almost all of these for the first time. Yeah. Versus going through the journey of his career. Would this be the first film then that all three of the, you two obviously the host and then your guest hosts have watched for the first time for this episode? Um, um, memoirs? I don't think Shauna. Yeah, no, it. I don't me- think I memoirs. Had you not seen, seen memoirs? Which... Okay, that one. I apologize. Yeah. I haven't listened to that one because I don't remember that film at all. I literally have almost zero yeah. That's memory. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, Ghost. you know, you could keep it that way. Yes, like, sounds like pretty safe. Do not remind yourself. It's not necessary. Okay. Chevy yeah. Chase being Chevy Chase in a John Carpenter film with studio <laughs> with studio interference. Can't imagine why that one failed. If I remember correctly, I did not hate it. Oh no, you didn't. I actually you were like, found this isn't bad, re- guys. <laughs> some redeeming things in it. Yeah, it, yeah. So yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we all know what's going to be number one, but I do. I'm looking forward to hearing what the bottom echelons of Carpenter works out to be according to Screen Run. Yeah. Mm. I've got some questions that I'm going to pose to Chris in our next episode Uh-oh. that I'm not going to tell him about beforehand. Ooh. Okay. I've already started writing them. I woke. up... Truly woke up like unable, well, not quite woke up, but was like struggling to sleep. And I was like, I've got questions. And I started writing them down in my phone. Just, I had these ideas in the middle of the night, Chris. So. Oh, good. Yeah. Get excited. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can tell Chris's too by the look on his face. <laughs> I know. Oh, he looks so, so excited. <laughs> well, Paul. Thank you for watching this movie, for joining us to talk about it. It's been an absolute pleasure. Tell everybody again where they can find your show, what you got coming up, all well, that good stuff. Well, can I just jump in to say this probably should never have happened, Lady Wan, because for the longest time I've had beef with your good self. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. yeah, and I was going to lead up top. And like, no, no, let's save it for the end. Let's get let's yeah. get this uh, this amazing film out the way with, and and then come around to this. <laughs> so, never forget is a is no, that's not true. I don't have that motto, but I'm just going to roll with it. <laughs> that there was a, on the binge movies, which we've both been on a number mm-hmm. of times. Podcast. Mm-hmm. There was an unnamed trivia game, which I was the yep. the leader for quite a long time, and then Lady yeah. One sidles in and draws with me equals my score on the back of some of the most dubious answer feeding (laughs) in the history of podcasting as we know it. This has been a bee in my bonnet ever since. And the unnamed <laughs> trivia game has gone away. There's been no no chance. Look, I was like, I why would I do that? Why would I go into hostile territory and have the hosts of the show feeding Lady One answers <laughs> while I'm floundering over on the other side of the world? So I just want that there. This wasn't meant to happen, but you know what? Your infectious laugh and your <laughs> amazing positivity about most everything has drawn me back in. And I forgive you, Lady One. Not that it's your fault. I don't forgive Jason. Aww. It's all Jason's fault. Let's just, it is let's just 100% be clear. his fault. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, I, I appreciate you rising above. Yeah. You just, yeah. I've got you, that off my chest now. I'll probably cut out in the edit, yeah. but it was worth it just to say. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Jason needs to know. <laughs> anyway, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. And if you want to find our show, The Countdown, you can basically type The Countdown into a search engine. It will come up. But thecountdownpodcast.com is where we have the links to all of our shit, which is probably the best way to describe our show after eight <laughs> and a bit years. And yeah, and I have to say, yeah. it's a lot less well-mannered, our show, than, than this one. So I... Yeah, so apologies in advance if you're expecting wholesome entertainment and instead you get my co-host Wayne and me just shaking my head in consternation and pressing a soundboard button to drown him out. Yeah, Wayne, <laughs> Wayne is scared. He is. <laughs> he is. And he's only about 10% less of that in real life, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, look, and beyond uh, that, I do need to say, just a, a quick little yes. tease, there is a bit of a side project going on that I am involved with. What? Uh-uh. That maybe you've got some kind of sample slash trailer that you might weave in here with your masterful editing skills, Lady Wan. Mm. That's all I'm going to say about it for now. It's coming soon. More details will emerge over the course of the next month or two uh, for this big thing that I've uh, been working on with some other very interesting people. You have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Paul. You can follow the show, The Countdown PC. That's The Countdown on Twitter. That's true. 
Thank you for remembering give, that. Give it a follow. You can find the show anywhere the podcasts are. You can find our show out out there on the podcast app, screenrun.fun. Still a great website. <laughs> Isn't it the best? Uh, we are at Screen Run on Twitter. I'm at the Lady One, and Chris is at CG Scalzo. Please leave us a rating, a review, uh, tell a friend, and uh, like I said, we'll be back with our final episode of season three, where we're we're gonna revisit a lot of stuff, <laughs> and I have a lot of questions for Chris. So stay tuned, and and I hope you'll come join us in between seasons, maybe on the countdown. Yeah, It'd be great to oh, have yeah, you both. Fun. Absolutely. I want I want to count down some shit. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> thank you again, Paul. That was okay. awesome. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Thanks very much. Thanks everybody. If you must hide if you can scream if you are able but above all if you are alone don't let them catch you the slashers Coming soon to a podcast app near you. Rated R.